Hey there, welcome to the Pine Island Experience Podcast. I'm Joanna Anderson with my husband, Trigby. Each of our episodes will be conversations with fellow Pine Islanders. The goal of our podcast is to share with you our experiences, what we have found to be fun, and what makes the Pine Island Experience so unique. conversation with myself on my lanai at about two in the morning and I'm thinking of a husband and wife wanting to go eat somewhere hey are you hungry yeah where you want to go eat I don't know let's go to that place let's go to that pizza place let's go to that let's go to that Italian place okay which one I don't know, you know, that one or, you know, that, that place. And as I'm having this conversation on one side of my brain, my other side is having who's on first and what's on second. And as I sat there laughing at myself, that barbecue place, the argument between husband and wife was going on. It actually happens to this day. Like if you'll see a Facebook post, someone will say, yes, that's actually the name that barbecue place like they're clarifying it right off the bat and i just wanted something that was catchy that nobody could forget but yet nobody could remember as silly as that sounds that's exactly what happened you were listening to john petrus owner of that barbecue place in malachade telling us how he came up with his restaurant's name probably saw john cooking in front of his restaurant feeding people for months after the storm John felt he had a responsibility to feed people. As he has said, people needed to be taken care of, and I had the equipment to feed people. And now, here's John to tell his story. Welcome, John. So happy you're here. We um, heard all about you. Um, Well, I remember watching all of the people stopping at your place after Ian and then We've interviewed people and they said he saved us. You know, we, you know, he fed us. Um, everybody loves what you did for Matt Lachey and for Pine Island after the hurricane and how you just went to work um, for months feeding people. So thank you for coming out and talking to us today. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. Yeah, our pleasure. Uh, it seems like a lifetime ago at this point. Doesn't it? It does. Um, but a lot of the images are still so fresh in my head and same yeah. bizarre. But when a, when a crisis comes, people need three things. They, they need shelter, water, and food. And they had two of them. Mm-hmm. I just happened to have the only kitchen equipment that worked. Right. And uh, a lot of volunteers to help do it. Yeah. And if it wasn't for the volunteers, I probably wouldn't have gone as long as I did. But Yeah, because you were feeding hundreds of people. We, yeah, and we did it for almost 100 days. Yeah. Uh, all the way up until January 4th. Oh, wow. Well, God bless you for doing that. People appreciate that. And they talk about it to this day. I told one of our neighbors you were coming, and she said, oh, I remember everybody getting food there. Every time you drove through Mount Lachey, you were so busy feeding people. I've seen people's attitudes change. I saw the fear in their eyes, and I saw them take a bite of hot food they survived that day, yeah. and it was all about survival back then. And seeing that change in 
somebody's eyes, just that's a look you don't forget. Yep. And it was never a question of, should I do this? It was just, it has to be done. Yep. I mean, when I first started doing it, there was a couple other people at the old fish house doing it and they were doing it before I was, and they deserve credit for what they've done. And like I said, we had volunteers. I paid somebody to do it when I was out of town and, but the people needed to be fed because the state and the county wasn't that worried about it. Yeah. And these were neighbors and these were people who were lost and lost everything they owned. And at least they, they, they could count on each day they would have a hot meal. Thank you. Well, let's, let's talk about you. Let's, let's start in the beginning for um, where, where you were born, where you've lived. I know you said you're out in California. You might have just been visiting, but tell us about yourself and how you, before, before that barbecue place. Well, originally I am from Brunswick, Ohio, which is just south of Cleveland. Born and raised there, quiet little place. I spent 20 plus years as a bus driver for entertainers. So I've traveled all the U.S. and Canada. Burned out on driving a couple of times, mm-hmm. being away. You know, I'd travel 280, 300 days a year, and it, it burned you out. And uh, it was COVID that reset my life. Mm. COVID, everything shut down. That's why I ended up opening the restaurant. Well, I actually opened a food tent, and that turned into the restaurant. So you're driving a bus or something, how does it turn into then driving for entertainers? Or I mean, were you just driving a bus or did you was your first job then driving? So these are like people going on tour, correct? Is that when you say entertainers? Correct. Yes. Um, originally, I started driving buses for Disney World back in the early 90s. Wow. Okay. And then when I moved back up to Ohio, I went to work for a charter bus company. Mm-hmm. And then I was offered a job driving entertainers, turned it down, got mm-hmm. married, had a child. That didn't work. So I went and pursued it again and wound up working out of Nashville for technically still still am on the roster. Yeah, it was just a progression. What did you drive a lot of country? I did singers? when I first began, but then I finally had to request to get off of it. Uh country did what we called Hillbilly Weekends. They'd leave on Thursday, come back on Sundays. <laughs> and uh it really messed with your sleep schedule. Yeah. yeah. So when you get into the rock and all the other music genres, you know, that's long tours. Your schedule mm-hmm. stays more consistent. In fact, I moved out of Nashville so I wouldn't have to do country. <laughs> <laughs> you needed a change, right? <laughs> I did, yeah. 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 I just wanted to go out and tour at the time yeah. and uh, make my money and go home and be off most of December, January, and February, which is ironically how I wound up down here because... I wanted somewhere warm when I was off work. But that must have been a little bit difficult because at least my perception for the few events we've attended is they perform fairly late into the evening and then it's got the bus has got to be packed up. And while they're either relaxing or sleeping or partying, whichever, then you now are on because you've got to drive to the next uh, venue, right? So Correct. a lot of that's overnight driving mm-hmm. and... Yeah, so just the sleep schedule alone, your body clock was probably a little bit backwards. Uh, My life was extremely backwards. I could go to sleep at two o'clock in the afternoon anywhere, any day, and that'd be up by eleven or midnight or whatever. And whatever time lobby call was, you know, we might push off at one, two in the morning for the next city. Wow. 
the guys on the bus go to bed. I get peaceful, quiet night of driving and <laughs> see them all at breakfast the next morning. Now, did you have to play their music while you were driving? No, absolutely you... not. <laughs> In fact, there's many nights I never even turned the radio on. Just the solitude and the road and... Just a thump, 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 thump. It was just very peaceful. Mm, that's amazing. It... Uh, I like to say you see a lot of the country, but you only see past the headlights or up to the headlights. I traveled uh, years and years as part of my job. And, uh, well, let's say you'd, I'd been in Phoenix and they'd say, what is Phoenix like? And at least for me, it's like, well, you land at the airport, got into a rental car, drove down an interstate, got off at an exchange and, and drove to some building and, you know, like, you don't really, you know, you're not vacationing, right? You're there on work. And then I remember um, for a while, one of the companies was, um, they decided to host events and they would rent a hotel ballroom. And I remember checking with somebody there like, oh, the, you know, you're in such and such senior hotel ballroom. And I said, well, you know, to be honest with you, they almost all use the same wallpaper. They use the same carpeting. They use the same light fixtures. It, you can't tell if you're in Seattle or Miami. And now once you walk outside, temperature-wise or climate-wise, but inside those rooms, I think they're designed to be somewhat... There's very little location-specific decoration, in at least most of the major chains. There might be small boutique hotels that are themed to the area of the country, and but you know, I don't think an airport really is seeing a city. So every Marriott looks the same. Yes. yes. But that's the dependability and they count on that. So people come back. But yeah, to your point, like you were driving all night long, so you didn't see any scenery. And then you were probably exhausted, so you were asleep. Plus the fact you probably weren't you weren't supposed to like go out and do tours per se because they you might be needed or something. So you got rested up to do the drive that following night. Right. Unless we had a day off. We had a okay. day off. You know, after you get your bus squared away, you, you can go out and do some sightseeing. But uh -huh. you see the city coming in. You see the city leaving <laughs> at night. And you see the restaurant you ate at. And you see the inside of the hotel. It literally is the same city, every city. Now, did the fans get in the way at all? Or did you have like a police to allow, you know, that bus to get out and get on? Because, you know, you always see the movies. And I'm sure I know yeah, it's a movie. A lot but... of artists, the bigger artists will leave to go to the airport. Uh, Via police escort. Okay. But the band and the crew buses, we're leaving so late at night, there's nobody left around. Yeah. Okay, so because yeah. if you say, okay, I'm getting on the road at 2 a.m., whatever it is, you know, if you have to wait 15, 20 minutes to get going, then it, like, screws up the entire schedule. But they've all dissipated, and you're just able to drive. Some artists are gone before the music quits. Wow, okay. Like, right off the stage into a car. and Gone, gone, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So no, you're driving buses for entertainers. Um, you decide to move out of Nashville. All that you decide to place or find some place warm for your time off. Uh, was Florida the first choice, or how did you happen onto Florida? And then whereabouts in Florida did you start to? Settle? Well, originally I wanted to move to the Pensacola, Orange Beach, Alabama area. Okay. And I went camping there in my camper one time in January, and I'm like, yeah, this is not going to work for me. It's 22 degrees. Yes, it's cold. And then I start looking at the map <laughs> mm -hmm. that I've traveled for 20 years. And I realized the one area I never come to is Fort Myers. Ah. So I decide Fort Myers it is. 
It's far enough south that I could have beautiful weather in the, in the winter, with the exception of today, close enough to a major airport that I can get out. So I had just finished up a tour in Fort Lauderdale, lined up a real estate agent over here, dropped him at the hotel, hightailed it over here, and went to a parking lot at um, Pine Island 41 there. Slept for a few hours, got up, met my real estate agent. Spent all day going over Fort Myers, North Fort Myers. Found this townhouse that I don't like HOAs, and I, uh, but I like the townhouse. And I said, I like it. I said, I like it a lot. I said, there's no house on island, but I like it. He goes, wait a minute. You never said you want to live on an island. So I laughed at him. I'm thinking, you know, Santa Bell Captiva. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> He goes, come on, let's go see Matt Lachey. And I looked at him and I said, any relation to Drew? He goes, what? I said, is there any relation to Drew Lachey? He goes, no, you idiot, it's a town. <laughs> We've become buddies at this point, you know, spending all that time together. And I'm like, I never heard of a Matt Lachey. So we came out here and I just, it was home. When when did it happen to you? At what point? Uh, July of 2018. When did you know this is where you wanted to be on Pine Island? It was right when you uh, drove so on to it? The, in the Matt Lachey, and then I kind of had this image in my head of over 20 years of driving. Mm -hmm. I call it the Doc Hollywood syndrome. Remember when he mm -hmm. went to Mount yes. Dora and mm -hmm. yeah. found love and never left? I, I figured I'd pull into a town somewhere and fall in love with something and yep. not want to leave it. So over the years, I developed an image in my head of what it was. And ironically, I'm not a big fisherman, but it was a fishing village. Mm -hmm. And I could sense that. And I'm thinking Louisiana, maybe the Carolinas. Never thought Florida. When we pulled into St. James City, it was the vision I had in my head the last 20 years. Oh. was what I was looking at. And I'm like, it's definitely home. Right away. Right. And uh, out of all the places I could choose to live, I... I can't imagine somewhere else. All right. So there's there's the Pine Island connection. So now driving, driving at night, putting up with entertainers, you probably enjoyed some and or bands and probably some and not so much others, but all that stuff and all over I, I used to call it all the garden spots in America, right? Now you're probably going to some larger cities based upon the size of the act and so forth. But you do all that, it's burnt you out, which makes sense. I mean, that's a hard life on the road, let alone with your hours. And you come up and you decide restaurant. So take us through, if you will, from, you know, no restaurant background, at least from what you shared with us so far. But you you, you take this leap, if you will, to go from, um, you know, a hired employee to running your own business and into food service. I mean, I always love smoking food. Mm -hmm. I have a recipe that I came up with for meatloaf and my friends loved it. And they kept saying, you got to sell this. You got to sell this. And I would laugh at them saying, nobody's going to buy smoked meatloaf. <laughs> well, when COVID hit, the touring industry stopped. I spent a couple of months out in Salt Lake City working for some billionaire. Basically, I sat in a hotel for two months. When that was over, I came back and I got invited to a party. And I thought, oh, I got nothing better to do. I'll smoke a brisket. You know, because I had the extra 10 hours to kill. Some people at that party kind of sat me down and says, you should sell this. 
at that time, I didn't know what I was going to do for a living. I owned some property in St. James City. I knew I wasn't going to be able to make the payments on it if I was out of work. So I sold it immediately, took the profit of that, bought a smoker and or a bigger smoker and decided I'd give it a go. Well, the county told me I needed to set up a tent, roadside restaurant kind of thing. They came back a short time later and said, no, you need a, a concession trailer. So I bought a trailer and converted that. Well, at that time, the county started messing with unincorporated Lee County food trucks, basically me and the taco truck at the center. And the taco truck got the publicity off it. I was kind of a side note. Well, at that point, I decided they're going to give me this much house, so I'll move in to a building and not have to deal with mm-hmm. with zoning. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I wound up in It was the only building available, and it was big enough for what I needed it for at the time. And the problem was they were still rehabbing it from the last occupant. Mm-hmm. So I had to wait a while to get into it. Mm-hmm. By this time, touring was starting to pick back up. So I went on the road for a couple of months oh. and then opened December 11th, 2021. And things went great up until about July of 2022 when season ended. I decided I was going to close for the summer and go back on the road again, make some money and come back. Reopen in October. Well, we know what happened September 28th. I was still on the road and came back and realized I have the only working kitchen equipment and picked it up out of the mud and hosed it off and ran some hot fires to sterilize it and started cooking while I was back. And then I had to leave, go back out of town again. About a week or later, later, week or two later, came back, cooked again, ended up hiring someone to cook while I was gone. And then I came back in October and stayed permanently and took over the cooking. Um, but there was volunteers that helped prepare the food. There's volunteers that helped serve the food. And the donations just kept coming in for more food. And it's like, as long as we have donations, we're going to keep going. Um, people are donating this money for food. They need to get the food. We made it all the way to January 4th. And that's when I realized people were just feeding their workers rather than going to McDonald's. And I'm like, yeah, it's time for me to move my life now. Mm-hmm. Seems like so much happened in that three-month span that it's hard to hard to remember one day from the next. Mm-hmm. So now was it a side benefit of the driving career? Um, and you probably know better than I, but there's kind of a Carolina barbecue. Kansas City is famous for their barbecue, Texas-style barbecue. And there's probably some others I'm not listing, but did you get exposed to all those then when you were out on the road, or how did you settle on your particular type of barbecue? Central Texas, salt, pepper, and smoke. Mm-hmm. If you need anything more than that, you're trying to cover something up. And actual smoke, not gas assist, not charcoal assist, or actual hardwood oak mm-hmm. fire. Low, slow, I hate that saying. That's the only way you're going to get the smoke into that meat, and that meat... That meat will take smoke up into about 160 degrees. So the lower and slower you go, the more smoke you get into it. But then you get into clean smoke and dirty smoke. You know, if you got a white bellowing fire, that means you're not hot enough and you don't have enough oxygen. 
Mm-hmm. If you have a blue or purple or clear smoke, that's that's where you get your good taste. What, what kind of wood? I know there's different oak. woods. Oak. Oak. Yep. Good hardwood oak. Okay. We're in South Florida. We can't get much other than oak. <laughs> <laughs> so other than the simple uh, rub, salt, pepper, and smoke, as you suggested, uh, if memory serves, that's uh, Texas has more of a dry philosophy where I know some areas like the some kind of a sauce goes on, but that's all cooked dry and served dry. Is that correct? Um, and then the if sauce. If you get in the, yeah, you got Texas is more of a dry rub, which is salt, pepper, maybe salt, pepper, garlic, depending on who's doing it. Okay. No sauce. Sauce okay. on the side. Sauce is always on the side. Okay. Uh, sauce happens. We know what happens, but you know, it's like going to a high dollar steakhouse and adding A1 to yeah. the steak. <laughs> It's like you just spent a lot of money on a very expensive cut of meat mm-hmm. to change the flavor. And we get it. It happens. But if the meat is good enough, it shouldn't need sauce. And it depends, like you said, the region people come from. Pulled pork is Carolinas. I do pulled pork, but I don't do a vinegar sauce for them or a mustard okay. sauce. Okay. I do a tomato sauce, but only because I have to. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have to, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. yeah, there's so much flavor in it, right? Without a sauce. I mean. Well, the meat should be good standing on its own. Yeah. Yes. Like it's a steak, juicy. it should stand yeah. on its own. Yeah. Which, by the way, I now do steak and fish also. Mm-hmm. We've added ribeye steaks, and uh, usually I do grouper and maybe a snapper or a mahi or something like that. No, they're um, caught but my that's eye. cooked over an open fire also. Now with the sauces, and I can tell, I, I completely understand and agree with, you know, the meat needs to stand as Are those homemade? It sounds like you say, I do a tomato sauce, as I'm determined mm-hmm. that those are homemade as well. So for those yep. people that want sauce, it's not just the kind of the well-smoked meat and done the right way or the old-fashioned way, but it's also then a homemade sauce should they choose well, to Well, I it. start with a base, and I add my, my spin to the base sauce. Okay. Because if I had to spend time cooking from the ground up, I would have no time in my life at all. (laughs) So I found a way to use a base and go from there. Okay. And then for people who don't know, what is the smoking process? Like, so from the, you've purchased the meat, trimming, rubbing, and just kind of take us through the whole process. Well, when I touch a brisket, I'm going to use brisket for an example. I'll have my hands on that brisket for over 24 hours, meaning from the time I open the package and I trim the fat, first thing I do is throw the fat into a pan and I reduce that down to tallow. Smoker's already going. I put it on. I monitor it. You're looking at about an hour and 15 minutes per pound. So people complain about the the cost of brisket that they don't realize that if you start with a 15-pound brisket, you're going to trim about four or five pounds of fat off that brisket. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you've just cut off what you've paid for. So now a brisket is going to shrink down. So if it's 11 pounds, it's going to shrink down to five, six, seven pounds. So now you've lost money. This is why brisket is so expensive. Not to mention that at 11 pounds, I'm looking at about 12 hours of cooking. Mm Mm-hmm which involves, for me, hard wood, not hitting a gas valve and turning an oven on. 
And then I have to monitor that fire for 12 hours every day. When that food is done, when that meat reaches the temperature I want it, at that point it's wrapped and put into a warming oven. It'll sit in that warming oven doing its natural process for 12 to 14 hours. In addition to the cooking? This is after it's after, done. Cooking. Okay, yes. Yeah. You got to give. Is meat. it adding flavors sitting there? No, it's adding. It's it's resting the food. Meat, as meat starts to cool, it will push the juices through the fibers, and that's why when you set a steak on a plate for like ten minutes, you got a puddle of juice under it. That's pushing mm-hmm. through the fibers. You let it set long enough, it'll start to suck those back in which tear the fibers again is where you're getting your tenderness from, in my opinion, is this process repeats itself multiple times. So when every guy that comes to me and says, oh, I'm a bit of a smoker, I'm a, I'm a barbecue snob, but my brisket is tough, my first question is, you rested two hours. Yeah, how did you know? Well, there's your problem. You're not resting that food long enough. You'll rest a one-inch thick steak for 20 minutes but you've got a you know eight pound brisket that you want to rest for two hours and it's not enough time you've got to rest that food wow and by holding it that long it gives you that tenderness i think the other challenge despite the level of effort and the shrinkage and the trimming that you know you all bring up that 15 pounds is not 15 pounds in terms of sellable product it seems like if we were to go back 20 years just to make up a number. You could go in and you could buy flank steak for pennies and you could buy brisket relatively inexpensive. And it's like people have learned how to cook those things. It's not just, you know, putting a ground beef and putting a patty on the grill and being done it. It's like, you know, the, those basic foods that kind of we grew up with now, those were rarities that people cooked those. And now if you went to like a barbecue place, you get, but now you go to a lot of restaurants and you'll see some form of brisket on the menu and these, cooking styles that have allowed these, I guess, kind of a lesser cut, if you will, right? Because part of that, the process was developed because in and of itself, it wasn't a particular, you know, it's not sirloin, it's not a filet, but you could make it very flavorful and tasteful by going through this smoking process. The way I understand the history of barbecue is it started in the the Caribbean. Ah, okay. Uh, Barbacoa, I believe is the word. And it was a way that they cooked meat in the ground. And um, during slavery, of course, the Caribbean was part of the slave trade. They had ended up in, let's say, the Carolinas. Well, they had to feed the slaves. So they gave the slaves the worst cuts of meat they can give them, uh, such as the pork shoulder. Very tough piece of meat. Mm-hmm. They also gave them lobster because lobster was like a bug in the water at the time. But they were fed pork. And they adopted the Caribbean style of cooking, very low temperatures, very slow to break down this process of rendering the meat tender. As slavery ended, mostly slaves headed west to become cowboys because they needed jobs and they could get jobs in Texas. Well, same thing. They were given the trash meat, which was this cut called the brisket. Back then, it was considered a wasted piece of meat. 
well, it worked on pork. Let's try it on barbecue. And that's how Texas became known for brisket because they were giving the slaves or the cowboys at this time this trash meat, and they were turning it into something very delicious. Mm-hmm. And that is the, the history as I understand barbecue. And how they've taken these tough pieces of meat and why it takes so long to break these down. Because the slower you cook it, the more tender it becomes. The longer you rest it, the more tender it becomes. Okay, so now turning specifically to your business, how did you come up with a name? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was a very late night conversation with myself on my lanai at about two in the morning. And I'm thinking of a husband and wife wanting to go eat somewhere. Hey, are you hungry? Yeah. Where do you want to go eat? I don't know. Let's go to that place. Let's go to that pizza place. Let's go to that, let's go to that Italian place. Okay, which one? I don't know. You know that one or, you know, mm-hmm. that, that place. And as I'm having this conversation on one side of my brain, my other side is having who's on first <laughs> and what's on second. And as I sat there laughing at myself, that barbecue place, the argument between husband and wife was going on, it actually happens to this day. Like if you'll see a Facebook post, someone will say, yes, that's actually the name. That barbecue <laughs> place. Like they're clarifying it right off the bat. And I just wanted something that was catchy that nobody could forget, but yet nobody could remember. As silly as that sounds, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Everybody remembers it. They just don't know they remember it. I think everybody does. Yeah. I was kind of half wondering. So your explanation makes perfect sense because I think we've all been in that conversation, even with just a group of friends. It doesn't have to be husband and wife. Somebody says, let's go get you know, Italian, or let's go get barbecue. Invariably, the response is, well, where? And you can't remember the name. You may not remember exact location. You know how to get there, but you can't tell somebody's street address or something. You go, well, that barbecue place. But I was kind of laughing in the background. Um, There was a situation comedy called That 70s Show. And the producers were trying to be a little bit ubiquitous and nefarious because they didn't want to nail it like into a specific year where people might say, well, that didn't happen in 73 or whatever. So they... But I mean, that thing was, and now I'm sure between writers, actors, et cetera, there's more than one success factor, but the name stuck and became then, then surprisingly to your point, almost unforgettable because it's like simplicity and you didn't have a lot that you needed to remember in order to know about the show. So same with your restaurant, you know, if you want barbecue, well, we go get it at that barbecue. Which one? <laughs> yeah. My, uh... First time this happened is I had ordered a load of wood and <laughs> the guy told me he had a five minute argument with his dispatcher over where to deliver this wood because she would say that barbecue place and he would say, which one? And it took him five minutes to realize. And that's when I realized, yeah, that was the right name. That's your who's on first, what's on second. Yeah, that's exactly. that whole conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's so clever. now people have started calling it that barbecue place in Mount Lachey yeah. because now they can at least know a location of it. <laughs> yeah, they can get close to it. 
I noticed you like referring to it as that cozy little dive. They, you were quoted calling it that. The and cozy the, little dive? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, one of the first barbecue places I went to was in Sanford, Florida, back in the 90s, and it was a dive. And then when I started traveling, I went to a place called Rudy's World's Worst Barbecue and Country Store outside of San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> and it was a little dive. And today they're a big chain that goes all the way up to Albuquerque, all the way over to Phoenix and all over Texas. But 23 years ago, 24 years ago, they were one, one shop. But I just like dive food. I think it's more relaxing. It's more informal. It's more, that's where the good food is. Mm-hmm. It seems like you go to the nice shiny polished places and you're paying corporate prices and the food's mediocre, but you go to a dive. It's like best hamburger you're ever going to have is that at some dive restaurant. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted was a dive. And you've been creative when you um, went in and did repairs. You have different wood up there, different colors, island colors. Well, I'm in Mount Lachey, so it's kind of required. Yeah. <laughs> and didn't you repurpose wood or chairs uh, or... The- well, the logo itself was logoed after my Jeep, which was lime green. So the building was a color match to the logo to the Jeep. But then when we rebuilt after the storm, we uh, were given a stack of pallets. And the pallet that we got was what the water was on when they first reopened the island. So all those pallets held the water that were the lifeline to this island. And then some of the wood in there is also from the Bridgewater Inn that washed away. And then we have different memorabilia pieces from Hooked Island Grill. We have one, one board off of Burt's Dock. So we tried to save a little bit of everything we could inside the decor. Do you have history in there? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, we try to mark which is which, what's from Hooked, what's from Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the pallets are pretty obvious, but we also have somebody brought to me the original or the, the mid-80s Bridgewater Ensign. It washed up in their yard in Boquilla <sighs> after the storm. Wow. But people have told me, I remember seeing that in the 80s. So we have that sign as well. Well, that's wonderful yes. that you you preserve that history. Uh, yes, and as long as I'm open, I will. And if I close, I'll donate to the center mm-hmm. because that stuff needs to be remembered. Well, let's talk. You want to talk about the menu? Or yeah, please. You, yeah, because I I read through your menu. It it, it looks fabulous. Thank you know, you. and the the way it's all described, and we can't. I I I I love fish, smoked fish. Wood fired fish, like you were you were saying, and your sides look wonderful. And then just going through it, your meats you have brisket, pulled pork, smoked turkey, beef rib, and meatloaf. And your meatloaf you have no fillers in it. I think I read no fillers, gluten yeah. free, correct. And people love it. I am shocked. Like I said, that's what kind of mm-hmm. got me into business. I have one customer that often buys a whole meatloaf. And mm-hmm. I had someone else buy one last week, whole meatloaf, and they eat it all week long. 
Is anyone coming in for a smoked turkey for Thanksgiving or? Well, I had scaled the menu back over the summer to very basics. Okay. And I'm waiting for season to pick up, but I'm going to have to do some sort of turkey for Thanksgiving because I stay open on all the big holidays. Mm -hmm. All the other restaurants are closed. I stay open because there's enough people that are working, enough people that are single that need a place to go. And I'm single, so I have nothing better to do. I stay open for those who need a break. Yeah. So if somebody with the, I understand the scaled down menu, but if somebody comes in right now, what's what's available on the menu today? Tomorrow would be brisket, pulled pork, probably meatloaf, at least grouper, maybe one or two other fish, ribeye steaks, grilled chicken breasts, and burgers. We do a quarter pound, half pound, and three quarter pound burger. And those are all cooked over wood, wood fired, open fired. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to cook it, I'm going to cook it where there's flavor and smoke is the flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of other recipes depend on spices and, and um, other things. I'm salt and pepper and that's it. Mm-hmm. If you water something for me, you might get a little garlic on it if I'm feeling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mostly everything is salt and pepper for me because the food itself has a natural flavor and I can either enhance that flavor or alter it. And I don't want to alter it. I want people to taste the natural of what it's supposed to taste like. Fancy is not my style. What are the popular sides? My most popular is baked beans. Yeah? yeah. Is it smoked baked beans? Or? I don't no. smoke them, no. You but I put to. a lot of smoked meat into them. Oh, okay. I don't. I, I used to smoke them, but I don't have time anymore or space. So we're not doing macaroni and cheese right now because it's so slow. Right. But during season, mac and cheese is like the biggest. Mm-hmm. It's and it's, it's one of the hardest to keep too. Yeah. I notice you do garlic mashed potato. I do do a garlic mashed potato during season as well. Yeah, and I think that tomato and cucumber is wonderful to cucumber accompany. and tomato salad is also probably one of the yeah. most popular. And people love the southern green beans. Oh, you know they're they're yeah they're basically just overcooked green beans, but people <laughs> love them. Is there anything? I mean, <laughs> too funny. It's overcooked, but. Is, it, is there any other flavorings or is it literally just green beans that have been cooked or other flavorings? Not, you don't have to give away the recipe per se, but. <laughs> there might be a little garlic. There's definitely onions. There okay. might be a little fat. Okay. But so there's some enhancements, so it's not overly architected, but I mean, it's not, lit- I mean, I'm just thinking back in the day when you were in a hurry, you opened like a can of green giant, heated it up and ate them without. Right. Anything. So that you actually do kind of prepare them. I do. And I let them sit long time, many hours in that juice and mm-hmm. um, make sure they're well overcooked. And you're doing 100% of this cooking on your own. Is that correct? I do. Wow. wow. So every side, every main dish, et cetera. Correct. And then the burgers, I assume they're cooked to order where, I mean, obviously smoke things you've described. It's a multi-hour process. Yeah, they're, the burgers in the Chicken breasts are cooked to order okay. over an open flame. Same with the ribeyes, wow. which I really want to get more and more into steaks because mm-hmm. people are seeming to enjoy that. It's almost like a safe meat for them. Yeah. Um, I think the statistics are 32 
30% of Americans love barbecue. But then I have to wonder, of that 32%, how many think throwing a hot dog on a gas grill is barbecue? Mm -hmm. That's a good point. And I think steak is a safe food for people because they don't know if they like brisket. They don't know if they like pulled pork. This way, steak, they know they like that. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of people that are moving down here, maybe not used to barbecue or barbecue isn't their thing. And I've had that where that's the reason I added fish was one person wanted fish, one person wanted barbecue. Mm -hmm. So I figured I'd split the uprights and throw fish on, but cook it over wood, which is probably the best way to cook it fish. sounds anyways. delicious. I mean, it's one of the oldest ways to cook it. Yeah. But you're absolutely correct. I hadn't thought about it until you said it. Back in the day, when you cooked in your backyard, people said, we're going to have a barbecue or we're barbecuing. And to your point, they throw burgers and hot dogs on a grill versus barbecue in terms of, you know, Texas or some other of the, you know, I know you don't like low and slow, but the low and slow philosophy versus, uh, you know, hot Weber in the backyard cooking up something real quick. Well, I think there's a difference between grilling and barbecuing. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, the invention of the gas grill just kind of, what's the difference of using the oven in your house <laughs> or that very expensive Weber in your backyard? Right. They're the exact same convection oven. Yeah. You just have to wonder, do people feel better doing it outside? Mm-hmm. Uh, because they can take those same steaks, put them in their gas oven and cook them the same way. Pretty much. Well, they're just having a backyard party, you know. Sure. You can have a lot of people over and they can talk to the chef. You know? Marketing has convinced people they need that, you know, $1,000 Weber grill. Yeah. That's doing the exact same thing as their <laughs> propane stove. You're right. I mean, it, yeah, you're getting a little flame kiss on it, but it's just a convection oven. Well, I don't know how you feel about charcoal, but we prefer charcoal rather than... Well, at least charcoal's, you know... You get the taste. Of, yeah. Yeah. I, I, if I were going to use it, I like my, my lumps, you know. I, I, um, I think charcoal will add some flavor as long as you don't use lighter fluid. Yeah. Lighter fluid changes it all the way through. And... Uh, but when you're cooking steak and fish over a wood fire... And you're trapping that smoke in that meat. Mm -hmm. You're adding a third flavor to it, a fourth flavor if you include natural. It enhances that that taste, and that's something I can't get out of a gas grill. No, never will I be able to. No. So now, if somebody wants to come to that barbecue place, um, street address, and maybe how to contact you if they're interested in that. Um, well, the, the address is 4590 Pine Island Road, Northwest, Matt Lachey. Um, contacting us, the best way to do it is usually through Google. Our phone number is listed on our website, but if we're busy, we don't hear that phone ringing. Right. And um, the best thing to do is just stop in, especially if you have an order to go. Because it takes me about a minute and a half to put an order to go. Mm -hmm. I spend... I'm quicker than a McDonald's drive-thru. Wow, when people want to call and order something for 20 minutes, I'm not going to do it till they walk in anyways because it'll sit there and go cold. Right, right, okay. Well, I, mean, I have I, to say your, your social, you know, that your, your website is gorgeous. People you. can see 
the food on there. You have Instagram. It's beautiful. Your Facebook is great. I have a wonderful woman that does my social media Facebook, and she puts out some great posts, and she'll text message me in the morning and tell me what I'm up to today. I'm like, absolutely nothing, or, you know, (laughs) it's a Tuesday in Matt Lachey, you know, but she'll come up with something for me. That's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, once season kicks up and we start to get in the swing and we start to add staff back in, and I'll still have my duties of cooking, but. Yeah. Well, it is getting busier. The traffic's getting busier. Uh, we're not getting busier. We're actually yeah. slowing down. Oh. We I watched Blue Dog cross street and for the last couple of weeks they've been dead up until last night. And last night was the first good night they've had in a long time. So I judge I judge off of their business. But I also realize from Facebook posts that ninety eight percent of Cape Coral doesn't know I'm in Matt Lachey. Because I'll see a question, who's got the best barbecue? And it always comes up the same. Mission or Texas Tony's? Both corporations. I'm sorry, it's just not handcrafted, wood-fired barbecue. They're good at what they do, and people seem to like them. But I don't think I'm reaching enough people in the Cape right now because they just don't know I'm here. Mm -hmm. And... If you pull up to a barbecue restaurant and don't smell the smoke, question that. If you don't see wood somewhere on their property, question that. If you don't see a smoke ring in your food, question that. Brisket is the dead giveaway when it comes to a smoke ring. Mm -hmm. Pulled pork, not so much, but pulled pork, you know, you're looking at a six-inch thick piece of meat. You're only getting a very small smoke ring, and as you pull it, it's going to blend in anyways. Right, but right. Brisket, definitely question your smoke ring. I wish people would just pay attention to, to what they're buying. They'll do themselves a favor. Well, the proof really is in the test, right? I think if they had the handcrafted, then the more commercially produced would seem to, you know, hopefully then pale in comparison. I would think so. Um you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. <laughs> um, it, some people are told that's the best, so they can't question it. Right. And other people will always look for a reason to put it down also. Mm-hmm. That, that part is bizarre to me that people go in looking for things to be wrong. Well, and your Google reviews are outstanding, so I don't, I don't see any, you know, they're all five stars. I try to let the food just speak for itself. It, it, um, it's simplistic. It, you know, it's, it's the oldest, it's actually, I think, the only true American cooking style, if you think about it. And we stole it from, you know, the Caribbean, <laughs> yes. but it is the oldest American cooking style. And you have live entertainment. We didn't bring this we up. We do during season. During yes. season. And then bingo Tuesdays? Bingo's on Tuesday, yes. Really? Okay. Anything yeah, else? Um, they used to have bingo at one of the other restaurants in Matt Lachey that's no longer there. So the locals came to me and said, can we please have bingo? And I said, let me see what I can do. And I had it. Of course, the state got involved and said, you can't do bingo unless you have a 501c3. So... Uh, thanks to Mike Hannon over at the Matt Lachey 
Civic Association. They now sponsor our bingo. I wondered about that. I saw it was for the Civic Association. That's why. The MCA. So that's why you'll see it on our, our Facebook. Because we want to give credit to the MCA for all they do for Matt Lachey. And uh, so now we have bingo every Tuesday. Well, we've learned a lot. I hope we brought up, have we talked about everything you wanted the people oh, to I know? Probably so? over talked. No, no, no. You sound <laughs> like, we learned a lot. I'm you know, you I really learned a lot. You made me really hungry. That's the other thing. I'm starving now after <laughs> listening to your menu. Did you, you have desserts? Did I win? Do you have desserts? You're going to put. We used to. They didn't sell. They, nah. Because people they're, were they're so. They're too full. <laughs> they're, yeah. They're too full by the end of yeah. it. I'm like, yeah, I've tried ice cream. I used to sell Love Boat ice cream. Oh. Oh. And uh, I've tried pies. And huh. by the time people finish all that meat, I mean, most of my servings are well over a half yeah. pound. Yeah. They just need to go for a walk afterwards. Up yeah, and down. Or they need their their <laughs> top button let open. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and uh, so, yeah, we don't des- do not do desserts anymore. Well, John Petrus from That Barbecue Place, what a great name. We've appreciated you coming here. We've, we've enjoyed talking to you and we'll be down shortly. Well, thank you for having me. Thank I you. I appreciate the, the time, your time as well. It's fun. Thanks. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed our Pine Island Experience podcast. If you have any ideas for us, people to interview, or any comments, please feel free to email them to us at pineislandexperience at gmail.com. That's pineislandexperience, all one word, at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us, and you may subscribe to this podcast using all the major catchers like Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening, and remember, island life is a constant vacation. We'll see you on the next podcast. 